0: All right, um, so yesterday we intubated a patient. I had a really good question from a paramedic student, so I thought it'd be worth, he basically asked me why we use the medications that we use when we intubate somebody. So I thought it's always worth a review since it's a procedure that we do quite frequently, and, um, and it's always good to go over indications and contraindications for medications that we use frequently. Uh, so most of the time when we're intubating somebody in the emergency department, we're doing rapid sequence intubation and that's because they come in with a full stomach because they obviously just ate before they had their medical emergency. And so we like to do that to prevent aspiration and we typically need control of the airway fairly quickly as opposed to the controlled setting of the operating room where they have more time to kind of play around with things. So typically what we'll do, as you guys know, is we'll give a sedative so that people don't remember being paralyzed because that's... A very distressing uh, feeling and then once they're sedated we'll give them a paralytic to relax all the muscles so that we can pass the tube through the cords and breathe for them so the three major sedatives that we'll use in the setting of intubation now are propofol atomidate uh, and ketamine uh, and they each have their own pros and cons so uh, propofol uh, is a nice medication because it's quick-acting and it's short-acting so it wears off quickly The downside though is that it causes some hemodynamic instability. So remember for patients that are hypotensive, not a great medication. Um, Atomidate. flip side, it's longer acting, but it causes less hemodynamic instability. So it may be better in patients that are already a little hypotensive or borderline. The problem with atomidate is that it causes adrenal suppression. So it's not great in our septic patients because they need a good adrenal response um, to mount an immune response against that infection. And then the third medication is ketamine, which is a dissociative anesthetic. And that is a really nice medication because it doesn't suppress the breathing drive like propofol or atomidate. So it won't cause apnea. Uh, It doesn't cause hemodynamic instability, but it can uh, increase heart rate. So maybe not great in cardiac patients, but for most other patients, pretty decent option. The the two major paralytics that we use are succinylcholine, which is a depolarizing agent, meaning it'll cause all the muscles to depolarize. And then rocuronium. Sucks is a great option because it's short acting uh, and it's something we're very comfortable with. So theoretically, if you can't get the airway, you can bag somebody until it wears off and then they'll breathe on their own again. But remember, it's contraindicated in our uh, burn patients and anybody that might have hyperkalemia. So somebody that's been found down for a long time or crush injuries or lots of muscle or tissue breakdown flip side, and, uh, and somebody with uh, malignant history of malignant hypothermia. We rarely know that, but if they come in knowing that, contraindicated. Uh, rocuronium on the flip side is not contraindicated in any of those patients, but it's very long acting, so they won't ever really wake up in a reasonable amount of time to breathe on their own. And the last thing I thought I'd mention, because it's kind of a more interesting topic recently, is de- the concept of delayed sequence intubation. We're familiar with rapid sequence intubation, where we immediately uh, sedate and paralyze, and take the airway. Uh, the concept of delayed sequence intubation are for patients who we can't really achieve adequate preoxygenation in. Uh, so maybe a bad asthmatic or a bad COPD who has a lot of air hunger and is maybe agitated and keeps ripping the oxygen off. Um, in those patients giving them some sedating medication to try and pre-oxygenate them before we take the airway is a good option. So uh, you may see some of us give them some ketamine, uh, try some BiPAP or some pre-oxygenation, and then intubate them after they've been adequately pre-oxygenated. And there's even some evidence that if you try that, you'll actually avoid intubation because you can get those patients comfortable on BiPAP. So.